UFC 266 came in like a wrecking ball and went out like an even bigger wrecking ball. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. Let's sift through the debris and see if we can't make sense of it. The 25th Vegas card of the year saw 13 fights with 6 KO TKOs, 2 subs, and 5 decisions all uni for a total cage time of 2 hours, 28 minutes, 13 seconds. 11 of 13 favorites came up victorious at betonline.ag. A Benjamin on Jonathan Pierce getting a second round sub to kick off the show would have scored you 26 hundo at betonline. Let's run down some interesting 266 stats. Volkanovski had the highest significant strike output of his career with 214 landed. T-City has now absorbed more significant strikes in 2 title fights than the rest of his career combined. Flydor Shevchenko now sits only by behind Amanda Nunes for all-time women's title wins at 7. Diaz and Lawler both landed the second most significant strikes of their career. Nick threw 339. It was Robbie's first finish since UFC 189 against Rory Mack. Curtis Blades added three takedowns to his record all-time most at heavyweight with 62. And Jessica Andrade in just three fights finds herself second all-time for strikes landed per minute in flyweight history. A few other notables for coming back from the dead to win his fight. Marab Dualish really earns our Undertaker Award. And for KOing Shamil Abdurakhimov on his birthday, Chris Dawkins earns our Frosty the Snowman Award. But the stats can only tell us so much. Let's dive deeper. Hey, what's up, guys? Jason here with the before and after. And to start things off, there's no doubting who was the main draw for this card, and that was Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Pretty surreal to see it go down, considering how over the years, just how many times these guys were asked about fighting again. I would have to say I moved on a long time ago, and I'm going to leave it at that. That's not a fight that interests me. He just lost, and, uh, you know... Nothing against him, but I mean, that's, it's just not that, I don't think that's where I'm headed right now. Of course, just seeing Diaz back alone was amazing. He had that weird five-year suspension that was reduced, and then the question was, why did he not come back sooner? I think Diaz answers this very well here. Now, people don't understand, I've had 37 fights, three to five fights a year for 17 years. Now, that does something to somebody. On account of these suspensions, they've only been my only vacations I've ever had. He was asked about this again by Helwani in their famous interview almost two years ago now. I think the question that everyone wants to know is, do you want to fight? Do you want to resume your career? Absolutely not. Another interesting tidbit is that we all found out about the weight class change from 170 to 185 on Tuesday after the Contender Series, but Lawler found out on Saturday. I think I got like a week's notice. I think they contacted me like Saturday afternoon or something. And for a few reasons, he was not happy about it. Uh, well, I wouldn't have got lost 15 pounds the month before I found out. I wouldn't have been strict on certain things and left a little bit more muscle on. 15 pounds, it's a huge difference when, I mean, a month before it, I would have been freaking fine. Sure. Like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. After the fight, Lawler made a pretty big admission talking about his performance compared to what we've been seeing from him lately. I think they thought they were going to see the guy who's been fighting for the last one and a half, two years, and that wasn't who showed up today, and I spoiled some plans. I was, I was ready to fight, and I was ready to prove that I'm better than what people have been seeing. With Diaz's motivation still being under question all the way up until the fight, there's no telling if we'll ever see him back. What do you all want to see? Honestly, guys, for the co-main, there isn't a ton to say here that hasn't already been said. I do think it's interesting that leading up to the fight, Valentina feels she is in the toughest division in the women's weight classes. And comparing the uh, to flyweight, there is every time people going down, uh, down from 135, going up from 115. Yeah, I think this is the most, um, I would say, optimal female weight class. 
Most of us would easily say 115 without hesitation, though. No real word on who is actually going to be next, and we don't know when the Nunes trilogy makes the most sense. So there you go. And then of course, going on to the main event without question, this had the most heat on it going in, which is probably best encapsulated by this exchange on ESPN. My fault you're ugly, bro. Like, come on, dog, relax. You look like Mate, come on, relax. Good looks, get you, hey, good looks will only get you hey, so far, mate. Once I get in that octagon, I'll punch that prettiness out your face. Don't you worry about that. But things did not start out this way. Both men were extremely respectful in the early going, even throughout their build-up to the first booking that was canceled due to Volk getting COVID. While we're pranking each other, stirring each other up, you know, I can't say, look, it's friendly now, I'll be honest, but I can't say we'll be friendly later, you know. Of course, the change was being on the Ultimate Fighter together, which led to Alexander's repeated comments about Ortega's work ethic. But I, I see a lot of holes. I see, uh, just from every time I spend time with him, I see weakness. And, uh, you know, he half-ass it, turns up training late, you know what I mean, you name it. I just see weakness, you know, I'm unprofessional, rocking up late, like... What team of coaches and managers are going to let you just rock up late to absolutely everything? I'm professional. I find that lazy. Be on time to so our fight, don't worry about it. <laughs> You'll be on time for your preparation, just not for your boys, eh? Is that what you're telling me? I don't think I've actually heard a fighter call Ortega out on PEDs until this. It is one of the most often forgot violations since it happened before he was a big name. You're a cheat. I didn't even know about that. I don't even know how that was under wraps for so long. How isn't that out there? You know I mean? These people should uh, pay the the consequences of doing like that. A few years back, you know, popping, producing, you know what I mean? Shit like that. That shit annoys me. Ortega, though, just thought much of this was about selling pay-per-views. Are you really that bothered that someone showed up late? I don't know, man. I think he's trying to sell pay-per-view, then he's talking some other The fight being the amazing showcase it was, Volkanovski admitted things were very close in that third round. Guillotine was deep. Very deep. Uh, very deep. I was like, I was obviously not going to tap. This is it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, am I about to lose my belt? I think he does bring up a really good point about the extra time in between with the doctors checking Ortega. You'd think they would look at Brian during the allotted time rather than tacking it on multiple times, giving him a chance to recover. Well, man, obviously I was uh, saying, like, he, like, we can't be doing this. Like, what are we doing? We're just going to... Just give him extra seconds? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I was, I was pretty dirty on that. Anyhow, there is little doubt what is next. We will have to wait and see what happens with Holloway versus Yair, which just got rebooked. And FYI, Dana White was strangely absent from the post-fight interview. No idea what happened there. Anyhow, that's it for me, guys. On to the rest. So with all that said and the bulk of the body in the bag, let's look at some eyewitness accounts. Alexander Volkanovsky establishes himself as one of the best the division has ever seen and the attention of days gone past. Adding Dana White, I'm going to take Alexander the average's soul, says Henry Cejudo. And with a big win over Ortega, is this enough for White to look towards Cejudo and the payday he's been looking for since his retirement? Of course, Triple C wasn't the only former champion to text his thoughts as the notorious as he's been known to kept it short and simple on Twitter. Not a bad fight, congrats Shartzi. This of course in reference to the now deleted tweet, I'd kick this Volovsky head off like it was a rugby ball I was kicking. Five foot four and full of muscle. Ha 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 ha. Little fart he is. Not even a little fart, a shart. Ha 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 ha. Jackass. Yeah, moving on. Dustin Poirier. 
Dustin Poirier also tuned into the bout, congratulating Brian Ortega for a hard-fought battle. He might not be leaving with the belt, but Ortega showed a champion's heart tonight. Congratulations to both guys on a great fight. And of course, the people's main event, the return of Nick Diaz against Robbie Lawler, and a combative one it was. Our very own Kaposa had this to say. Somehow Nick looks terrible and exactly like Nick, moving in slow motion, but there. Robbie is opening up and that's great to see. This is a fucking fight. Farrah from MMA Junkie also echoed this saying, not sure what to make of Diaz's performance, looked decent, but also looked like he wasn't interested in taking a ton of damage. Was good to see him back, but if he'll fight again, I hope he comes in better shape and a little more motivated. Lawler did his thing though. But of course, without a doubt, it was an absolute banger and UFC 266 delivered. So with that being said, bring on the next one. Now that we've given the card a thorough examination, it's time for a final analysis. What a fight. That's really all you can say. 266 will, of course, be notable for other reasons. The strange and unexpected return of Nick Diaz in a fight that was both more than most were expecting and in other ways less. The insane comeback mounted by the machine against Marlon Marais. A star turn, no doubt. Valentina adding to her dominance, of course. But the real star of the show was the absolute all-time classic between Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega for that featherweight title. It was high drama for most of the 25 minutes. There were times when both fighters looked to be in impossible situations, and yet Yet somehow carried on. For the life of me, I'll never know how Brian Ortega made it all five rounds. And that guillotine choke was about as bad a spot as anyone could be in. 99 times out of 99 and a half, we have a new champion, but not that time. A lot of fans have been on the fence about Alexander the Great because of his style and mostly the fights with Max Holloway. It's hard living in the shadow of a more popular fighter. But if there was ever a performance that would change the narrative and turn fans around, it was this one. Sometimes MMA is about a lot more than MMA, but at 266, it was just just about a fight and what a fight it was thanks for watching please give us a like and subscribe we've got three new videos or more for you every single week let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below follow on point mma on twitter and have yourself a wonderful day